You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a conversation with graduate students about their research journeys at the University of Victoria. I'm your host, Liz MacArthur. So my name is Agnieszka Kabdol, and I am a PhD candidate at the Faculty of Law at the University of Victoria, and I'm in the um, Law and Society program, so it's kind of a typical program. It's not strict law, but like law in the context of social issues. So um, my, my field is mental health law, and I'm specifically looking at the process, process of admission um, to mental health faci- facilities in Poland. And uh, I'm, um, my more specific focus is on how lawyers and attorneys engage in the procedures and what kind of impact their engagement um, has on the outcome of those procedures. Interesting. So you're looking at how lawyers or how people's mental health is treated in the courts? Yeah. So um, the procedures that I'm looking at is like people are involuntarily admitted based on um, dangerousness and mental health, but they have the right to appeal the admission when they don't agree to it. So I'm looking at uh, the legal procedure of like... Um, appeal of like assessing the legality of the admission itself and how in the context of this legal procedure, lawyers, uh, usually those are legal aid lawyers, uh, what's the space for them to kind of act? If there's like really space that they can act and what kind of engagement, you know, they have or can have and how does it impact the, the final decision whether the admission was legal or illegal? Uh, how did you come to uh, to study this topic? I was a lawyer in Poland. So um, I saw that um, it was really hard to challenge the practice opinion in terms of mental health. And it was kind of frustrating because, uh, first of all, uh, these issues were not treated so sometimes seriously by lawyers. So spe- specifically when the, those cases were legal aid cases. And in Poland, legal aid cases um, have in Canada because uh, here in Canada, people can kind of volunteer to become legal aid lawyers. But in Poland, every lawyer is obliged to kind of provide legal aid. And then uh, they cannot even specify what kind of field they would like to provide. So basically, when the court decides that somebody needs assistance, it just appoints a lawyer. So it, the appointment is very random. So uh, it sometimes like comes for people, like, you know, for lawyers out of blue. And uh, so those cases, legal aid cases, are not always welcome because they are... Depends, of course, on the case, but I'm talking about mental health cases. They are very low paid and they're kind of disruptive to regular um, practice, lawyers' practice, because uh, usually there's very short time period for preparation for these cases. So they are kind of marginalized in the, in the practice of lawyers and not treated so seriously. So this was one thing that I was frustrated as a um, legal, um, you know, training. And the second thing was that uh, even if lawyers try to engage in those cases and do a very good job, uh, there's very little uh, they can say because they are either cut off by the judges, their voices are not so, um, so much heard. And 
you know, they are kind of their expertise is dismissed because um, it was said often to me that I have no psychiatric knowledge. So, um, you know, like on one hand, you do want to do a good job, do the best you can, but then you really can't. Uh, and that was really frustrating. So I really wanted to understand, like, how is it? Uh, how is the system organized so it allows for this kind of uh, practices? So even though you were a legal professional, it wasn't necessarily that uh, the person that a lawyer was representing with a mel- mental illness wasn't being heard. It was that their advocate also wasn't being heard on the topic of their mental illness. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does your research encompass right now? Are you talking to lawyers? Are you talking to people who've gone through uh, legal aid processes? So I already finished my field work. So I spent um, in Poland 18, I spent like almost two years, but I can consider 18, 18 months were my field work. So I did ethnography. So I spent a lot of time in court and um, in psychiatric facilities. So I, I talk with um, lawyers, I talk with judges, I talk with psychiatrist, I talk uh, with paramedics, all the people who are involved in the process of admission and somehow related to, you know, like all the people who are somehow related to decision-making or providing some kind of evidence or uh, details about uh, the context of admission, I was trying to incorporate in my uh, research. I didn't talk to people uh, who were admitted because I decided to focus on professionals uh, and how, on the professional level, the system is organized. Because the people who are admitted basically are basically are not present in the hearings. Uh, they are not even taken to the court to speak, you know, about their um, their situation, about their admission. So they are very very absent. I haven't seen one single uh, hearing uh, in which a person participated. So that's why I decided to focus on uh, on professionals to see how the system is organized um, on the professional level. So it excludes lawyers, but also um, even more impo- importantly, the people who are the most concerned, the people who are admitted. Um, so I conducted about three interviews, and I spent hours of observation, uh, participant observation, and I collected mountains of legal documents and legal texts. And your, all of your research focused on Poland, is that right? Are you were, were you working in Canada as well? So my research is about Poland, but um, my postdoc, I'm planning to do a study in Canada because uh, in BC specifically, because BC has a very restrictive uh, mental health law. And um, so when you compare Poland and BC, Poland, Polish law, related to mental health is very focused on rights and kind of legal protection. And in BC, lots of decision is made by uh, psychiatric professionals, or in Poland, most of decisions have to be made by courts. So I want to see, you know, how, um, how it, how it, um, is it like so, so different in practice, you know, um, despite the regulation, how, how does the practice really um, compared to in those two countries. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed huge differences between the practice, um, or is it a similar? I mean, you mentioned legal aid earlier. Is it is that the only thing that uh, sort of differentiates the two? Oh no, um, legal aid is it's um, it's a very different structure, right? 
and I would say um, in Canada, the way it is structured, it's, I see it, it's much more, um, you know, it's better from the perspective of um, of patients, of involuntary committed people, but also I know that there are lots of like cuts to legal aid and the advocates struggle with, with representing people and having enough time to prepare. In Poland, legal aid is perceived as very uh, unnecessary burden by lawyers, you know, because they are not volunteering for it and they are they have to do it in spite if they want to do it or not. And as I said, like if and there is a huge discrepancy between, for example, um, tort cases and mental health cases in terms of remuneration, how much lawyers will get for the representation. So it's like 120 times more for, for example, tort case than for mental health case. So this also puts the mental health cases, you know, at the very bottom of the desirability for those cases. But unfortunately, um, I haven't studied uh, the Canadian procedure yet per se, but what I've heard, it seems that lawyers are treated here you know, legal aid lawyers or advocates are, are treated here in a very similar way. Um, it's just kind of performa presence in the court, you know, to just meet formal standards. So even though the, um, the procedure is organized around different principles, it seems that there's like lots of commonalities between those, um, those two uh, legislations. You used to be a lawyer in Poland. When you went back to do your research, uh, you must have had contact with former colleagues. Were they? What did they think about uh, the research that you were doing? Mm, they thought it was interesting, but not so. Like you know, they didn't treat it so seriously. Huh. Uh, they were um, very helpful. They wanted to participate. They wanted to contribute, but they didn't see, um, you know, they basically don't see academic research as so um, appropriate to their, like, everyday life. And um, more and more I talk with them because I I am planning to share my findings with them and my writings with them. I think, like, because when people have idea about academic research as, like, being very abstract and very theory-driven, and they don't want to engage, but my research is very ethnographic, so I'm starting with the lawyer's experiences. So basically, uh, my first chapter in the research is about describing what kind of uh, struggle lawyers have to overcome to engage in those cases. So hopefully, when they read this kind of, like, you know, writing, they will be more willing to, you know, like to think about their own practices. But I found this, like, um, doing... Um, conversation, interviews with people I knew or who are in the same profession. And it was very uh, enriching, I think, for both of us, because uh, what I really like in some of this conversation when the question that I was, like, posing made people think, you know, it's like, actually, no, we don't do the way it was supposed to be done. Or, like, one of the examples was when I asked my one of the Participants, it's like, why do you have different strategies in advocating, in advocating for people who are um, in, crim- in criminal justice context and mental health context? And I said, like, both of them are going to be, you know, institutionalized. Why do you put more effort in, for people in the criminal justice context, right? 
And they say, oh, because it's more important, people are going to be, you know, undergoing punishment. But, like, when you really think about it, both of, like, you know, either person will be, like, institutionalized for a very long time. So the consequences at the end are very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, one is going to be charged with the, with the sentence, other is going to be uh, put in the institution based on the, you know, on the decision of the uh, Mental Health Act, but both of them are going to be spending lots of time. But the um, the gravity in the context of the criminal justice system is perceived like you know it's higher. Right? People put more effort. They ca- they challenge different issues. For example, in the context of criminal justice, lawyers challenge mental health um, diagnosis. But in the, in the context of involuntary admission, they don't. They just assume that it's the correct one. Mm. Yeah, so uh, then, like, one of the participants, like, you know, was, like, started thinking about, like, actually, I don't know why I'm doing it. Like, actually, you know, it's... Uh, so I really think that people who participated and told me their stories, their experiences, they uh, learn from those experiences a lot. But also, I think, like, interviews are good were good um, place to kind of rethink those experiences. Mm-hmm. Are you hoping to go back to a law practice after you have finished your uh, your your research? I don't know. I'm kind of tempted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm like torn because I love teaching. So I would like to be a law professor, mm-hmm. but I think like I don't want to be out of part of practice. You know because. I think people's troubles and struggles motivate me to do my research. And I don't want to do research that is meaningless for people, you know? So I will try to combine. I will see how it goes. I don't know if I will get, you know, academic position, but if I go, um, if I had a luck and I get the position, I will try to at least work for non-profit. And um, so somehow to kind of engage in advocacy and, and, you know, activist research and participant, maybe research, like participant um, action, participant research. Yeah, I don't want to be just a professor or just a practitioner because I think in practice, it's also for practice, you know, to kind of um, change the practice towards better better and it's necessary to think about bigger issues than just working case by case. So I think this academic research is really important. But on the other hand, as I said, I don't think that for me, academic research is abstract research means anything. Yeah, it seems like your approach is that the academic research is sort of uh, and the practice go hand in hand and the academic research can maybe remedy some of the problems that you run into when you're in your practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What are the next steps for you? You spent uh, all your time doing your or gathering your information and doing that research, uh, your field work. What uh, What's next now? So now I'm writing um, my dissertation. Um, so hopefully I will do it next year. So this is challenging. I think that I enjoyed my field work much more than writing my dissertation. <laughs> but. Um, it's kind of also interesting because there are so many threats that I can follow and then making decisions, uh, we 
which thread to follow and what kind of like you know evidence to bring. Um, it is inspiring. I like it, but it's just very um, isolating experience. Mm. So um, yeah, I'm trying to be active in the non-profit sector, and I'm associated with the research centers because otherwise, um, you know, I don't want to be an isolated. Um, academic writing her own dissertation and like not speaking to anybody so I do try to participate in, in uh, different projects and these talks and I don't know just to talk to people about my research listen to their feedback about my research and um, yeah one of the talks that I gave last year was really meaningful to me it was in William Pratt Institute and uh yeah, I just realized that this is what it means, you know, like this is the meaning of of which uh, this is what it brings meaning to my to my academic uh, path, like to engage with people uh, about research and the problems and how they see and yeah, it was really meaningful experience for me to go there. What initially brought you to the University of Victoria uh, all the way from Poland? Oh, so it was a long path. So I started in the, um, in the University of California in Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after I passed my bar exam, I decided that I need to have a break uh, from my practice. And uh, I need to think, you know, about the issues that I observed. So I went, uh, I got a scholarship to University of California to um, gender global issues program. And... Uh, and I met like amazing people there, uh, amazing feminists, amazing critical scholars, and it was like shift in my thinking, like 180, you know, mm. percent. Uh, and it was an eye-opening. It was so challenging because you know, like they were talking about like feminism and all the issues, and I've been never really exposed to feminism because in Poland at the moment when I left, there were like not even a program in gender studies. So you just kind of learn from your observation how, you know, the gender dynamic works. But there was, like, I had no idea about what they were talking about, like, you know, all these feminist theories. And so it was um, difficult, challenging, and uh, but it was also at the same time, like, really important. And I decided to um, pursue my PhD. So... I applied to different programs in, uh, I focused more on social justice and criminology, but I ended up in SFU sociology. So I started there, uh, but I, sw- I, um, so I started in sociology, but then I realized that I'm not really a sociologist, I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So, so I switched to um, UV Law, and I'm really happy about it because this program in law is amazing. Uh, it's uh, it's very non-traditional and very um, critical and inspiring. So yeah, so this one is another like um, big step in my professional and like personal mm-hmm. development to be here. In what ways is it non-traditional? First of all, it admits people not just who are lawyers. So uh, you don't have to have LLM to be admitted to admitted to the uh, to the program. So 
what it brings, it brings people from different disciplines. Somehow your research needs to be related to law, your previous research, for example, master research, but you can come from, you know, philosophy, you can come from history. So this is not uh, so, so much maybe practice in other law schools. And the second, it's a very international. And the third one, um, you know, those um, areas of specialization of the Yuzik law are very, um, I would say, radical critical uh, basis. So there's a huge uh, focus on Aboriginal law, uh, on feminist legal theories, on um, gender and sexuality, yeah, or like representation in movies, love representation in movies. So, um, well, not so much about tort and analysis of like legal cases. So doctrinal research, which is almost non-present in the UVIC law. So people do very look, people do lots of like um, qualitative studies. The way they engage even with cases, they engage with cases in the context of the society. So not just the law for the sake of law, but to understand how the law uh, functions in the society and is the articulation of the society. So, yeah, it's very critical and uh, open space. Do you have hopes for your uh, for your research once you've done your dissertation? Are you hoping that people will take it and sort of... Uh, rethink maybe the way in which they operate in the court system, or are you just hoping to uh, just contribute to a body of work? Well, well I have to be kind of realist. I, I hope, you know, that uh, people will start thinking about it, that it's a long way to go, and, you know, the things are really complicated in terms of, like, mental health, um, law and admission to mental health, mental health facilities. I don't think that my research will make, you know, huge change in the system. Uh, it will show probably one of the small pieces that are not working and how those pieces can be potentially turned. Um, but then also, it's important to engage professionals in a way of restructuring, rethinking the system um, to the way, like, you know, in a way that it's possible. So I don't want to like prescribe any, you know, strategies of reforming the system. I would prefer to deliver my findings and work with them to kind of think what is possible because I think sometimes um, the problem with translating academic research into, into you know, practical terms Instead, academics have their own ideas what it should be done and how it should be done, and this is simply not possible in the context of specific institutions hmm. because either there are not enough resources or, you know, like there are lots of structural barriers that practitioners have to struggle as well. So, um, yes, yeah, so I would like to... Uh, I prefer to have a small impact um, than, like, you know, big ideas. Mm-hmm. But also, I have to say I'm stressed, like, you know, uh, when I think about presenting my research to practitioners, because it's kind of critical. It's critical of the system, but it's also critical of of lawyers. So I felt more comfortable presenting my research to uh, inmates in William's head 
<laughs> so something like this to my, um, my, you know, to practice now in Poland, but I'm getting ready. Um, I'm getting there and uh, hopefully I will start trying my chapters with them and uh, going back and giving some talks. Right now I'm like writing chapters for different publications, activist publications. Mm. So that's where I am. Huh. But it's for Canada. I'm like really stressed about like presenting uh, the findings uh, in a way that will be, you know, I'm not saying well received, but in a way that people will not. Um, I I would like to present my findings in a way that people engage. You know, mm-hmm. they may be uncomfortable, and I, it will be uncomfortable for them to engage. But I would like them to engage, so I don't want to be offended, offensive towards anybody. Uh, but just like to prof- provide solid, you know, research that would be, you know, steering them and pushing them to engage in this research. But this is hard to do to kind of, you know, um, negotiate this kind of balance. So I guess your worry is that people might feel like they're being attacked in a way because the research is sort of looking at, well, you know, this isn't a very good way that you know, people with mental health issues are necessarily represented? Are you afraid that uh, lawyers in Poland will think that it's kind of an attack on the profession and the way that they, they do their profession? Yeah, they might have, they might think in this way because, um, but as I said, like even at the beginning, my research is not about people, it's more about systems. So I'm not saying, you know, those professionals are not good practitioners. They are working with within specific systems and they are doing sometimes what they are capable of doing in this specific system and but those are all but they are also trained in a specific system right so their discourse their embed like you know the discourse all the the knowledge they have um it's not coming from nowhere it's representing specific system of thinking Mm. So, uh, so that's what I'm trying. This is what I'm trying to show them. It's not about them. It's about like how the system is contributing to the way the practices are organized. Um, but I do say that some of the professionals are not engaging because they are not. They treat those cases as like you know, uh, just um, this case is like um, that. There's nothing to kind of even talk about. And uh, this is problematic, and because each of the cases deserves, you know, attention. But at the same time, I understand that because the way the legal aid is organized, there is no incentive for them sometimes to engage in a case. So I'm trying to also show them they understand how their like practices are, um, you know, related to other problems. And right now it's a big. Um, issue in Poland about uh, because lawyers are trying to get higher uh, rates for legal aid representation and they have a really hard time doing it uh, because the Ministry of Finance is not linked to um, to put money, more money. So, you know, on one hand, I think that maybe my research can help them to get uh, attention maybe with some kind of evidence that is not just about lawyers, you know, gaining more money, but actually it's about the quality of representation that they will be able to provide if they have, uh, you know, if they re- are remunerated for their work. Because right now, 
a lawyer in Poland gets about uh, 60 złoty, uh, which is about $20 for the whole mental health case. Wow. Uh, which can involve, you know, your hearings, uh, going to the court, reading files, meeting with the client, you know, uh, hours of work, hours of waiting for those hearings, and they get like $20. So I'm not talking about lawyers making huge money on those mental they are not even, like, paid for their time, you know. So hopefully they will use this, you know, uh, my work strategically and also show, you know, that uh, it's the issue of, of social justice, really, mm-hmm. um, to get, the, you know, the quality of representation, which is related to, you know, to lawyers' work. All right, and when do you think uh, you're going to be finished, all, all finished up? I know this is a hard question for grad students to answer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I, w- I would like to be done by summer 2016, mm-hmm. at least they submitted. All right, well, good luck, and thank you so much for doing the interview with me today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Jargon. If you're interested in being interviewed, please email cfuvcad at uvic.ca. To listen again, you can find a link to the podcast at cfuv.ca.